Welcome back to the 123 show with me, Noreen Mayer, on this Wednesday afternoon. And I'm really excited to welcome back to the studio, Cruzy McCalligan. Cruzy, how are you? Hello. We are live this afternoon on Facebook, so you'll be able to see Cruz because uh, we only have one laptop. So, of course, Cruz being our wonderful guest, I put it on her. You can't see me, but you can sort of see me in the background. And my mic is sort of... Do I sound weird? And my mic is sort of... What's it doing? I lost the Bobby. You lost the. You've but, lost its um its hat. It's <laughs> <laughs> you lost the mic hat. I did. I don't know where it is. Anyway, Chris, anyway. maybe I'll, I'll I'll hand over to you while I while I look for it. While you look for your mic. What hat, are we sure. talking about this afternoon? Um, we're talking about surgery, which is not something I am actually very confident to talk about Yikes. because um. Would you like a different mic hat from over here? Here you go. Here's Thank you. Yes. <laughs> um, you that was I created. If, so that was a surgical procedure. I removed something from another microphone, and I passed it to you so you could graft it onto your microphone. So I'm going to say that was as close as I'm ever going to get to becoming a surgeon. So surgery. Uh, surgery is the branch of medical practice that treats injuries, diseases, and uh, deformities by the physical removal repair or readjustment of organs and tissues often involving cutting into the body okay so that is what we're talking about with surgery and both of us are just a bit i'm a bit squeamish so i don't think i could have been a surgery not a surgeon not only just because i move my hands constantly and don't have a steady hand at all um, as anyone on facebook live will see me i'm just constantly gesticulating i don't think i could be a surgeon but um i think yeah i do think anyone uh, who does any kind of surgery is um incredible because it's it's a fascinating fascinating and incredibly important thing to do and we were just talking about off air if um either of us had ever had surgery and i said the only surgery i've ever had was my cesarean section for one of my daughters that that's major surgery yeah which is not something but i mean i was awake for the whole thing so oh. i don't know yeah there's lots oh. of anyway but that's the only one i was thinking about for another day um but we're going to talk a little bit about the history of surgery which is a little bit for the squeamish so please you have been a bit warned um i hope everyone's had lunch um so um but of course surgery is a is a fascinating and amazing thing um and of course we think of a surgical scene today and it's a sterile room harsh bright lights the beep 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 of all the like monitors you know making sure the surgical team know you're still alive um and you can only see the eyes everyone's eyes because they've got masks and their little caps and their gloves and their scrubs you're gonna see people's eyes and and if you should ever undergo surgery in your lifetime um you can rest soundly knowing that you will probably experience it pain-free and that your chances of coming out of surgery alive have never been higher than they are at this point in human history but of course it wasn't always that way surgeries weren't always so neat and clean um, and they didn't always have happy endings um, in fact surgeries weren't even considered relatively safe until less than a hundred years ago that's like very recent history that's very um, recent which which makes us realize that surgeries today really are modern miracles and to better understand the triumph of the 21st century medical field we must first go back to the foundings of surgery the start of it all the history of surgery in all its bloody and gory glory. Now, um, firstly, procedures of our ancestors. So this is an amazing thing. You think about like, oh wow, modern science, but like there was a there was a hard road to get to this point. Unlike our anesthetized operations of today, surgery throughout most of human history was horrifically painful, incredibly dangerous, and terrifyingly deadly. Um, and because of these reasons, it was actually usually performed as a last resort. Right? It was not something you opted to do. Um, it all began in the New Stone Age, the Neolithic period, 4,500 BC. Not a, not a time that we, we think about, you know, 
sterility um, when our ancestors drilled holes into their skulls. Um, Ancient surgeries such as these relied on turpentine and vinegar for infection control, which just just hearing the word and unfortunately for the patient there was no an anesthesia to ease the sensation of having your scalp and bone sliced um, now by 3000 BC ancient Egyptians developed their knowledge of human anatomy by of course removing organs in the mummification process so that was very exploratory um, and they also were very good at treating wounds and abscesses with clamps sutures and cauterization so burning off the end of um, blood vessels and they used tools like saws, forceps, scalpels, and scissors. So they had, they, you the know, this tools. is 3000 BC. Like, wow. that's pretty amazing. And they also knew all the way back then that honey helped ward off infection. Wow, they knew of its they antibacterial knew, yes, they did. Uh, properties. So they knew it would help, which is amazing, right? Amazing. Um, in India, they also paved the way for the world of early, early surgery. Around 500 BC, which is a very, very, very long time ago, um, reconstructive rhinoplasty, so this is nose, the nose, job. nose job, was commonly practiced throughout India to reform noses which had been cut off as punishment. So they were kind of doing reconstructive surgeries, which is fascinating and amazing. Plastic surgery. It's the, it's the father Incredible. of plastic surgery Absolutely. could have been from India. Yes, and so meanwhile in ancient Greece, wounds were soaked in wine to prevent infection, um, and the Greeks also used iron to create surgical instruments and could set broken bones and perform amputations. So those are quite involved surgeries, right? Um, a few hundred years later, and the legendary Roman doctor Galen, uh, Galen, 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 I, it's one of those names I've never had to say out loud. Do you know what I mean? Like I've read the name so many times. Anyway, um, whichever one it is, uh, tended to the emperor, um, treated the wounds of gladiators and dissected animals to learn anatomy. Um, and human dissection was forbidden at the time, but his writings influenced medicine for centuries to come. Then we get to the Middle Age and medieval times. And for many years, surgery and medicine changed very, very little. Um, it was still dominated by the writings of Galen slash Gallen. And the first field um, then the field experienced rapid advancement all at once. So throughout Europe in the Middle Ages emerged the barber surgeon, which thank goodness we don't have today. Um, a craftsman that not only cut hair, but also pulled teeth, performed amputations, bloodlet, so did bloodletting and set broken bones, right? Which I guess sounds like a bit today with like dentists who do Botox. So I guess it's just the, the same thing. Um, rows of rotten teeth hung in the windows of their shops, still attached to the string that the barber surgeon tugged and toiled over to pull them from their sockets. So, which is just so gruesome, as if you'd go in and be like, I'd like a layered bob, like to this guy who's got teeth in the mirror. Anyway, um, patients in this era were given herb and alcohol mixtures to reduce, but not eliminate, the excruciating pain of surgical procedures. And cauterization was used as a means of infection control. So they burnt off the um, thing so it wasn't letting um, bacteria into the body. Now, by the 1300s, the church allowed dissections of human bodies at medical schools, beginning a long and slow process of understanding the intricacies of the human body. So during this era, women were allowed to be surgeons, but not physicians, which is fascinating. Might, you won't give them the education to do that, but of course you know that they're great with handiwork because of all the sewing they've been doing. I was say. <laughs> <laughs> um, and surgeons were actually seen as a lesser profession which is why women were allowed to do it. Women were continued to women continued to work uh, as surgeons until they were pushed out in the 1700s with the emergence of medical schools. So women were doing surgeries and then they were 
pushed out and they had to push their way back in again. Um, throughout the 1400s and 1500s, Leonardo da Vinci dissected human bodies to create his now renowned anatomy sketches, the famous da Vinci sketches. Um, and during this time, opium emerged as a form of pain management. So what a relief. Um, and even with the aid of alcohol and herbs, surgery still remained horrifically barbaric. Um, sur surgery before anesthetics was just brutal. Patients had to be restrained during operations, could die from blood loss or infection, um, and the pain was so great that sometimes they just passed out anyway. And unfortunately for these people, um, most surgeons believed it was necessary to keep patients alert and awake, so alcohol and opiates were used sparingly. So you couldn't just knock yourself out, which is just, again, a little bit stomach turning, and I do apologize. I hope everyone's had their lunch. But the point is, this is what we've come to from this. Now, um, a new century brought the emergence of ligatures in 1500s France, but a devastating disease started spreading at this time, which was syphilis. Um, and the early strain of this disease was particularly devastating and deadly. Um, so what happened was as syphilis raged across Europe in the 1500s, surgeons performed rhinoplasty, so again, no surgeries, out of skin grafts, um, and it's uh, to remedy its telltale symptom, which was saddle nose, which is, this is what people were getting from syphilis, which is when the nose caved in and rotted away. And um, so people, they were starting to create these nose, um, these nose grafts yeah. to, to deal with that symptom, which is also a remarkable thing that was happening. Um, before the, um, the century's end, Andreas Vesalius published his groundbreaking work called The Fabric of the Human Body. And its accurate diagrams of human anatomy finally dispelled Galen slash Gallen's incorrect concepts that dominated the medical field for centuries. So it took a long time. You know, we've gone from we've gone from a few so around 500 BC, a few hundred years after that, so maybe a thousand BC, something like that, um, right all the way to um, to the 1500s. Like it's taken a long time for people to be like, actually, this guy was wrong. Um, which is an, which I think we have to keep into perspective when we think about like modern surgery like it's a really new invention like scientific advancements it's like there's a subtext to this is have faith in science everyone <laughs> basically it's incredible what it's done um so the history of surgery in modern era we see like by the 1700s body snatchers flock to cemeteries to obtain cadavers for dissection in newly emerging medical schools so medical students would gather in dissection theaters to learn human anatomy even you know they it, this was performed on like a, a rotting corpse so wasn't exactly a, 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 you know, a very not a great so experience. They would steal the corpse. They would steal corpses what? from cemeteries to do dissection. So I guess it's like because nobody in, really wanted to donate. Maybe yeah. I suppose so. Mm. I mean, I did watch once a fantastic documentary called "Donated to Science," all about people who had terminal. Um, terminal conditions who were donating their bodies to medical science and they Amazing. interviewed them and then they you saw them um saw medical students doing um dissections and anatomy classes after on they it was, died yes after yeah. it was fascinating amazing. and amazing and very a very selfless thing to do i mean you don't need your body anymore right once you died but incredible thing to do and, and the benefits for for learning was amazing now of course um in this era of body snatching, surgeons were known for their speed, especially in amputations, as there was still no effective anaesthetic. Um, so anyway, um, the first appendectomy was performed in 1735 with no anaesthetic, and it was successful. <laughs> and it would have been the most horrifically painful thing anyone has ever been through. And now laughing gas was first used in 1799, although it took a very long time before it was effectively applied to surgery. 
Um, but the earliest general anaesthetic was developed in Japan in the early 1800s, um, where patients could be rendered unconscious for anywhere from 6 to 24 hours. And by the mid-1800s, ether and chloroform were being used as anaesthetic, despite having a lot of different hazards. And by the 1850s, Queen Victoria popularised the use of chloroform in childbirth. Um, so she was, <laughs> which I guess is the, you know, give me the epidural, right? That's basically what she was doing. And even uh, later, even cocaine was used as a local anaesthetic as well. Um, but of course, even though there was these medical advancements, loose term, surgeries remained really, really risky and they were still terrifying. Patients were often sat upright and restrained with leather straps to, it's just... Everything about it turns my stomach, but at the same time, that's how we got to where we are today, so it's important to know. And of course, surgery took a massive leap forward when people realised germ theory and that hand washing and sanitation was important. And of course, surgeons began sterilising surgical instruments, their clothes, their hands prior to surgery, and added to the mix were rubber gloves, which were first used in surgery in 1890. And of course, this increased patient outcomes. Survival rates increased from surgery because there wasn't this massive um, risk of of infection. Um, so, of course, the dawn of the 20th century, we have Novocaine as an anaesthetic, so that made things better. Um, by the 1940s, patients could breathe a sigh of relief. Blood trans transfusions, antibiotics, and penicillin finally made surgery relatively safe. So that's the 1940s. That's not that long ago. I mean, it is a long time, but it's not that long ago when you think about it. Like, we had pretty cool music from the 1940s or like sense of fashion but we couldn't have safe surgery so it's it's an amazing thing that we've got to this point um so it comes in leaps and leaps and bounds and of course now we have um so many different kinds of surgeries that people do and it's super fascinating that we have all these different um different ways that people are doing things the one that i find super 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 interesting is um is the which is one of the reasons that I'm um, chatting about surgery today was I recently saw in the UK there's a documentary coming out called I think Baby Surgeons and it's all about doing in utero surgery. Wow! Right? That's amazing. Which is amazing. And and I think there's a documentary coming out in the UK. I don't think it'll come to Hong Kong, but I'm sure we will all find it online at some point. And I think it's really really fascinating. So of course, um, now some of the background on this. So, um. There was a surgery done on a baby in the womb in the UK, um, and the baby the baby had spina bifida. Okay, okay. so um, that's a birth condition. If for those who don't know, where the spine and the spinal cord aren't formed um, correctly or properly in the womb. And the mother has the option to wait for the baby to be born and fix the problem, or um, not continue the pregnancy in some cases but i don't like that option the next one which nobody realizes is that you can get that doctors were able to operate in utero okay so she operates because they often say you need to take your folate your folic acid yes, yes all those things that, yes yeah. yes absolutely and of course just like luck of the draw in it's life absolutely. anything can happen exactly um, now she opted for the in utero surgery as the condition is a lot more difficult to address once the child is fully developed and born. So in a four-hour operation, surgeons sliced open her womb, operated on the baby's spine, wow. and then put everything back together like nothing happened. And the baby was born in April 2019 with no signs of the condition. Wow. Which is 
mind-blowing that's amazing mind-blowing that that was something that when how many weeks was the baby i don't know actually i have to look it up i it was very very small though yeah it was very yeah i think it was probably yeah which is just incredible that that we're now at a stage where those are options available and that people are skilled enough to do that which i think is absolutely fantastic and amazing mind amazing yeah absolutely amazing of course now we have um lots of other things about um surgery i think i don't know i mean i find that i find a lot of the stuff that's quite gory and scary and, and we have like a lot of skulls from like neolithic periods with like big holes in them if you look them up it's like terrifying you're like why would they do that but then i have a friend who was once saying well you know these people they were very basic you know you have a headache you hit yourself in the head with a rock until the headache goes away i'm like would that work they're like well it was simpler times <laughs> they, they, they did that with uh, deaf people as well you know thinking really? that you know you could uh, drill in a hole into the eardrum or something and that <gasps> miraculously oh. they would get their hearing recovered it's just pretty horrific yeah it is yes. horrific i wonder how often we've thought that surgery we just rely on surgery to to fix something yeah. or to change somebody for an environment whereas you know you could perform yeah. surgery in terms of technology like you could create technology you could perform surgery on a space by getting a good architect to make it accessible rather than you know what i mean it's fascinating but yet we think that we and Need our bodies to... are very fr- i find it fascinating because our bodies are so fragile and then so strong at the same time because i mean all these the, the probably millions of people who went through horrific basic surgeries like back in back in the day in the 1500s or whatever it was it's like i mean a lot of them wouldn't have survived but a lot of them would have and it's kind of like how you know it's amazing but it also makes you realize i mean surgery is still a big deal today it is it is still a big deal and and we have more technology it's safer it's more painless all those different things but things can still Still go wrong things can go wrong and you know what i reminded of that every time i recently gave blood again i always i I, I donate blood whenever i every 100 days or whatever it is for my height and weight and sex i can't remember and you know i i did a blood donation and you remember like people need there's things that go wrong people have surgery they lose blood they yeah. need blood you know and, and hong kong has always got a shortage oh it does actually let's just have a segue yeah. <laughs> public service announcement they do always have a shortage they, they always do. have a shortage yeah. um and you just think to yourself like it's such a it could be could be any of us that might need blood but also it's just such a minor thing to be able to do for someone is to go and like get 10 minutes peace and a biscuit like come on it's a delight <laughs> oh really that's all you got i remember when i gave blood i would tell them my blood type is oh. a plus can i have a badge did you get a pin i, I did got a pin too. yeah I did get a pen. I, I, I got, uh, yeah, I get it. I, one of my um, one of my sisters is O negative, so she's a super she's rare. A super, she's, she's a super rare. Wow, good blood she's type, a universal yeah. donor. She gets so many freebies every time she comes. <laughs> she's got like charging dongles and like stickers and tote bags, and she's just she's like, like a celebrity. She's like, I've never felt so good about something. I've got no control. Over. <laughs> I was like, yeah, sure. So it's um, it's kind of fascinating in that way. But yes, anyway, I do have some quotes we can finish on. Yes. I don't know if you have a surgery song. Do we have a surgery song? Oh, let me have Probably a look. Not. Yeah. I remember when I had my daughter and um, I went in for my C-section and they were playing the radio in the operating theatre. And I remember thinking, like, 
Why do they have the radio? Oh, and then I've realized it's their workplace. It's just oh. like having the office on, you know, the radio on in your office. Anything right? by Enya makes me think of surgery. Really? Does it? I don't yeah. know why. Well, this just... wasn't. This was just like classic FM. Oh. And I remember going in, and my daughter wasn't born to this song, but the song that was playing as I was going into the room before they did my spinal and all those sorts of things <laughs> was um, Ebony and Ivory, that really cheesy, like, Ebony and Ivory oh. together in perfect harmony. And I was like, my child cannot be born to this song. <laughs> what a, like a cheesy song to be born to. But she wasn't. This reminds me of surgery. She was Enya. born. Um, you're going to play Enya? Uh, yeah, because right. I could. I think it's um, from Nip Tuck when they used to ah. always play Enya when they're about to do some, you know, some sort of right. well, I, I say surgery, sure. you know. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I've got three quotes, and then we can listen to Enya. So that'll be fun. Um, Denton Cooley, who was a surgeon, a famous surgeon in the U.S., said, "A successful surgeon should be a man who, when asked to name the three best surgeons in the world, would have difficulty deciding on the other two. <laughs> Which I quite liked." Um, Astley Cooper said, "It is the surgeon's duty to tranquilize the temper, to beget cheerfulness, and to impart confidence of recovery." So there's like a lot. There's a lot on there, you know. Whereas I find surgeons are very one. You know, they're very focused diligent amazing human beings now emily dickinson uh wrote surgeons must be very careful when they take the knife underneath their fine incisions stirs the culprit life <laughs> i like these quotes i like them a lot and i learned so much and it makes me sort of appreciate a newfound appreciation of modern technology and yeah, science me too. trusting in science medical science thank you very much for your time today cruz and i look forward to seeing you again next week thank you yeah. so much Bye.